Okay, so welcome to um, our lesson here. I believe it's number nine. That's the last number I could find that suffices for this. Uh, and the, the subject has to do with suffering, the sufferings of Christ and the sufferings for Christ. So I think in this we will get some scriptures that by that thought. Uh, the today is seven seventeen twenty two. Wonder if you're keeping track. And um, we'll begin by uh, well, I'll make a few statements here. Uh, I'm trying to spending gobs uh, of time on uh, discovering or determining what time. Uh, it is somewhat significant. Leave at least and Book of Acts is struck. It, we have a lot of scripture there, and some of that scripture belongs to, or that period of time belongs to the Apostle Paul and some of his writings. And uh, we're going to look at a little, quickly look at Acts 18. I think we've kind of touched on that, uh, but we're, we're we've moved up uh, the, to the level that we're ready to speak also about First and Second Corinthians. And uh, I can admit that that, for me, particularly in the King James language, is quite difficult to understand. And we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But uh, this morning I will touch on some things because we want to understand, first of all, uh, well, it is kind of important that we understand when, when this was written. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he has two letters there. And... Uh, and, and we discover uh, a lot of issues in in the book of First Corinthians that is certainly um, right down our alley for this particular subject that we're dealing with. <clears throat> and we've kind of left uh, Thessalonica. That was the last uh, series of letters that he wrote to the Thessalonians. And uh, we're going to begin here at the beginning of Acts 18. Some of this is a little bit of repetition, so I'll try not to dwell on it. And here we go. 18, chapter 1 in the book of Acts. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So you'd have to know what 17, chapter 17 was about. We did that. Paul was uh, in Athens and he spoke to, went up to Mars Hill and you remember that story. Uh, and so that's where he's departing from. And he came to Corinth. So this is approximately 50 miles away to the west of where he was. But uh, it's all in the same, what do we call it, the province, the same province. And it's uh, a, uh, it, it, it's the city itself, Corinth, was uh, made a Roman colony, and uh, which gave them privileges and so forth. But one thing about uh the, this, the the Corinthians was the um, sinfulness in that town and as you know uh there the, any time or they used that the name Corinth uh as, as a joke that uh has to do with how honorary they actually were and so this is where what we what Paul is faced with uh now in the next few studies that we're going to have and in a, it, as part of today's lesson I'm going to go through highlighted uh, things out of a, 
1 Corinthians itself that uh, Paul had to deal with. And this is he, this is nothing like any place he's been to before. And But what's interesting here is that the Lord is going to tell him and give him some extended time there for at least at least a year and a half. And Paul will remain there with these people. And it's interesting that the Lord says that he has many people there that believe. And so uh, you wouldn't know it from what I'm going to read to you today from 1 Corinthians. But we're introduced to a few names here. Uh, and I don't mean human names, but uh, names such as uh, words, I should say, Greek words. And we've already kind of touched on them in almost every place we've been. Uh, this word parakaleo and parakalesis uh, comes to our mind. It has to do with um, consolation. It's translated consolation. It's, it means encouragement. Uh, and, and we'll get into that in, in just a little bit. But uh, it's used quite a bit in the book of Corinth. And I think one thing we'll, we'll see in the Apostle Paul, we're not here to put him on a pedestal, but this has got to be one of the toughest groups that he's ever dealt with. And uh, and what how he withstood uh, some of the rebuke and whatever he got from people who were believers, it's amazing. And uh, you got to give that to the Lord, obviously, here. And so, anyway, there's a lot lot to be learned from this uh, that we may run into also personally. And Paul's going to give us some uh, information on how we're going to be able to handle things in our life if we pay attention here and, and let the Lord uh, work in our lives that way. But uh, I'll, I'll just mention here that uh, Paul, this is, Paul begins his, uh, or this is toward the end of, his second journey, what we call his second journey, the first journey, uh, which I would call journey 1A and 1 and B, because he kind of makes two journeys in one. That is to say, Paul goes through Galatia from beginning on the, in the east side of the country. He goes through to the west side and, and no, I'm sorry, vice versa. He starts on the west side, goes through Galatia, on the east side, and then he turns around and goes back east to west, and with a, the same group of people, but with a whole set of problems. And stuff. But uh, anyway, that that was the first journey. The second journey began uh, once again going into Galatia, and it ends up here. Paul, the last place Paul sees here, I believe, is uh, Ephesus, and so uh, kind of important to understand that when you're putting two and two together on dates and so forth. And so um, I'm not going to get I, I, I should get into it, but I'm not going to get into the specifics of when we're dating these books, at least uh, the ones that we've already done here. So uh, let's begin in uh, 1811, or did I already begin here? He, he, uh, so after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So let's understand that at this point, Paul has not writ- written a letter to the Corinthians. This is his first visit to them. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And so, for whatever reason that he had, and uh, there's different opinions on some of these things, I think historically, 
But Claudius ran out most of the Christians out of Italy. And this was one of the places they landed. And uh, so we read, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So one of the things the Lord lets us know here is that Paul was not a mooch. Uh, he did not take something for nothing. He uh, was he joined these two, and the Lord I think timed this perfectly because of uh, the fact that he was here at Corinth. He's by himself. That is to say, uh, Timothy and Silas are over in Macedonia taking care of some things. Paul gets a little nervous about that. We've kind of read that in the last couple of lessons, and he's anxious to know what's going on with them, and uh, that will. We'll see that here in a few moments. So, uh, verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So we already know that that's his method that the Lord gave him to do, and that was to go to the synagogue. And generally after three times, if they don't respond, uh, he would move on to the next one. And so uh, this lasted a few weeks more than that, perhaps, here it says, so he, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, and we get these in different places that Paul wrote, uh, such as this uh, letter to the Thessalonians or whatever, uh, Paul speaks about that, I believe, in his second epistle, this very fact. But this certainly changed him. He was, he was quite, uh, Moved by what was going on with them, and he was. But when they returned and they gave him the good news that uh, the Thessalonians were hanging in there, and uh, and we're not going to revisit that, but we've kind of covered Thessalonians to some degree, first and second Thessalonians, and and now we're at this point right here. So that's a relief for Paul, and as a result, what does it say? Paul was pressed in spirit. And testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And I want to just uh, forgive me here. I've got two or three pages of notes, and they're almost useless to me because I don't know where I'm at. Um, but uh, here in verse uh, five, we read this: that Paul was pressed in the spirit. And the word "spirit" here is uh, a, a long Greek word. If you have a companion Bible, and it means earnestly testifying. And uh, if we'd have time, we'd do a little study on this, because just looking at this word uh, half, or a dozen times or a few times, uh, let, me just, let me just throw a couple of these out, particularly those that might have pertained to us. Uh, let's look at Acts 28, 23. Uh, I mean, I'm just picking what you might call some better than the other for your particular case or interest. In uh, Acts, tw- I said 28. 2311. 2311, uh, what do we have here? And, uh, this is, Paul was, I believe, imprisoned here, and I'm probably wrong, uh, but at verse 11 it says, And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So here was a time that the Lord used that word himself to describe what Paul was about to do. This was a big change historically 
spiritually, whatever you want to call it, in time as what was occurring in uh, with the Apostle Paul during that period of time. Uh, quickly, uh, let me just read two more here. I don't want to take too much time with this. In 2 Timothy 2.14, we read this. I can get there. 2 Timothy 2.14, which occurs next to the most used words in the Bible that uh, this group usually deals with, and uh, which is verse 15, but we're going to read 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting, subverting of the hearers. I believe it's the word charging here. This earnestly testifying is the word here. And next he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. So that it's an, it's the open, it's opening the gate to chapter, to verse 15 here is how he was going to testify. And uh, a couple pages further in chapter 4 verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Did I write down the wrong verse? Uh, I think I did. You should judge the book. Uh, well, I apologize here. I wrote down, wrote down the wrong instance here. But once again, it was something that had to do with Paul testifying, earnestly testifying about something. So it's uh, just put that out there. There's probably a half a dozen or I mean a, more than a dozen places it's used. And probably make a good little word study to understand why those words were specifically used in some of these other places. But let's get back to uh, Acts chapter 18. Uh, and when he, they opposed themselves and blasphemed. So Paul was doing good here. And uh, Timothy and Silas come back and Paul gets, Paul, I think he gets pretty excited about it and he testifies to the Jews that Jesus was Christ and he's he's really enjoying himself, it seems like. Okay, pardon me for Barney's words here. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. And if you go back to previous places we've been with Paul here in the book of Acts, this was always the problem. And it was generally, when, when we get to the point where we use the word blasphemed, that means that's that's that was Paul's signal that, hey, I've been here three weeks, uh, you don't care anymore, and I'm going to leave. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So once again, remember we're talking to, I'm talking about Paul. He's dealing, he goes into the synagogue. He's dealing primarily with uh, Israel, uh, Jews. Uh, we, you'll see that all the way through the book of Acts there first. That's the way things are set up. That's the way history and that's the way the prophecy uh, has already forewarned that nation about what was to happen. And so uh, he, he says, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean for from henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians, 
hearing, believed, and were baptized. So remember, this is his first time at Corinth. He did not write a letter in advance like he did the Romans, but he knew most of those Roman people. This was his first venture there at Corinth. And so, I mean, think about that because you're going to have to date the book of Corinthians, Corinthians and put put uh, some of the things that's happening here into the overall picture to help us understand Paul. In each place Paul went to, there's a little bit of difference, shall we say, amongst the people. I mean, we're, we're talking about nations here. Paul is dealing with, and they, they're not all in agreement of each other, and they don't treat things the way others do and so forth. And here we have a very carnal group of people that he's dealing with. And uh, and let's let's read on a little bit quicker here. Uh, so he goes to Christmas who has whose uh, house is adjoined, or he is the ruler of the synagogue. And notice what happens here. Chief ruler believed on the Lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians hearing here believed and were baptized. So we have uh, uh, a great because Christmas and they, him and his family understood this truth and they believed. And this was right after Paul said, we're leaving. We're going to the Gentiles. But now he's back dealing with these, these people. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. So Paul was ready to leave still. He had already established that. But it took a vision for something. Uh, I would suggest you take a look at the word vision sometimes and uh, how it's used back here and, and what comes out of these visions. But these seem to be the things that, uh, how can I say this? Uh, that took superhuman or uh, above more than human power to get the message through when uh, when Paul heard these words he says uh, you know Paul okay we got it here you're, you're supposed to leave now but you don't I don't want you to and so it's by God by a vision that draws Paul to uh, to the things that are there as opposed to getting a message from another person or something like that so it says uh he says, uh, verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold unto thy peace. Uh, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I, am much, I have much people in this city. Now, in the second half of our lesson today, you may not, you, you may question, is this true? Because we're gonna, we're gonna see some awful things that these people do. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. That's a long time. Eight, was it 18 months that he's uh, with these, or he stays there. Uh, it's a period of time that is acknowledged by Luke. So if you're interested in dating the books and so forth, obviously that place, uh, verse 18. There he says, Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And, uh, whoops, that's verse 18 and what? And Paul, after this, tarried there yet, and, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. So here's 
a good while. We don't know what that really means, but it doesn't mean he was just there a day or two because he's, he's more specific when he does something like that. And then drop down to verse 23. And after he had spent some time there, this is at uh, Antioch. We'll talk about this in a moment. He spent some time there. He departed and went over all the country of Galatia, Phrygia, in order, strengthening all the disciples. That's 23. Uh, did he say? Okay, he's, after he had spent some time there. So you can add these up. You're probably talking about two or three years. We're probably in the reign of around A.D. 53 to 54. It's when this was written. Or I'm sorry. is when this took place that we're reading here. And so Paul has not written that letter, first letter to the uh, Jewish people there yet. So uh, without trying, don't without going into too much more detail here, let's do this. We're going to turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians. And so what I didn't read, what I didn't do there was give you an idea. Actually, I have to do it. So pardon me, or if this won't make sense. Back in Acts 18, uh, Paul decides that he's going to... Uh, Verse, okay, verse 18 we read, And Paul after this tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, or toward Syria. You need to look at that on the map. And with him was Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Syncria. Syncria is close to, very close to Corinth there. For he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus. So finally Paul makes it to Asia. He's going... He's going from the, the west to the east, and he stops at Ephesus. And it was right after this that he heads toward back home, shall we say, not, not his home, back toward Israel. Uh, so he came to Ephesus, left him there, and, and he himself entered into a synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So this is Paul's first time that he meets some, some at Ephesus, and, uh, and he reasons with them. And when they desired him to tarry longer, a longer time with him, he consented not, but bade him farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus, and when he had landed at Caesarea, you need a map, it's the edge, it's it's the uh, Mediterranean side of what we would call Syria today, uh, I believe, and when he, uh, when he landed there and gone up and saluted the church, he went down. So he went up and saluted the church. When he went up, meaning he went up to Jerusalem and saw the saints and the believers there and saluted the church. And then he went down to Antioch. Antioch is the the, the latest thing here. The latest thing meaning that Paul always, if you look at the maps, Paul always leaves his trips leave from Antioch. And this is Antioch at the very tip of northern tip of Syria, not Antioch of Pisidia. And so uh, after that, he spent some time there and departed and went over all the country. And now he begins trip number three. Uh, country Galatia, Galatia and first Phrygia. So once again, he goes through Galatia. So this will be the third, uh, fourth time now he's going to Galatia. You might Put that on a side there and think about that. And tell me if I'm wrong. But anyway, um, Galatia and Phrygia, I believe, had 
turned pretty uh, pretty well toward Paul because he didn't have to write any more letters. He didn't have to you know, go in there and take care of problems and stuff. But it seems to have turned positive there. And uh, and I'm going to stop right there because right now we've got Paul who's been to Corinth. He left. He went back home like he said he's going to do. He's going back to uh, to one of the feasts and so forth. And then he started again this journey, journey number three, which began at Antioch and then into uh, Galatia and so forth. So during that period of time, we probably can say that this is when First Corinthians was written. And during that period, uh, during uh, that period of time, also he may have written the second uh, the letter to the Corinthians. And we're not going to take the time. We could spend a couple of days here arguing over some some of the detail there and so forth. But uh, and whether or not he wrote four letters, uh, three letters, or what? There were a couple that there were at least one letter that that we don't have today, but uh, we do have one and two. And so, having said that, and I'm not going to take too much time. What I'm going to do is take you to First Corinthians. So Paul is now writing at some time during this time, Paul is going to write a letter to the Corinthians. And it's in this particular letter. Personally, I believe up until now, I see some of the, the uh, you, you see some certain, certain personal things about the Apostle Paul. That he was human, that uh, he was very dependent upon the Lord. The first lesson I think he's going to learn here in this letter to the Corinthians is that he is totally dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things that came to him and the sufferings and so forth they were confronted with, they were sorry even unto death, near unto death and so forth. Uh, we're going to see some heavy, what I call heavy duty uh, writing and scriptural things concerning suffering, afflictions and all those things. Uh, and so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through, and we don't have a lot of time, so we won't cover all this. Beginning in, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Here's the very first thing Paul's going to be concerned about, that he's writing these people. That you all speak the same thing. I haven't seen that for the first time. It has to do with a... They all had the same mind. But he says, you all speak to them, and, and that there be no divisions among you. Now, if I were to say to you, some of the people here that are listening today, their favorite guy is Ronnie, or somebody else over here is Mike, and you go down the list here, this is what's happening here. They were, they, the unity was broken, and that some of them were far Paul, some were for Apollos, Cephas, that's Peter, and a Christ. It sounds like there's a possibility that Peter actually saw these people. I, I'll say something about that perhaps uh, this week or next week, but uh, because of time, uh, we don't really have it. So, so the verses, let me finish a few verses here, 10 through 16. He says, uh, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared of you, my brethren, by them which are of the Chloe, Chloe, 
that there are contentions among you. So here's one of the problems Paul's going to have to deal with, and that's contentions among them. They've heard the truth, but now they're going to we're going to have a problem because they're going to disagree with each other because of, because of the next verse. Now as I say that every one of you says, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Peter, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not uh, whether I baptized others. So we could read on some more and, and we see this. But here's the first thing that we run into, that Paul runs into with these people. He's writing a letter, and this letter is full of corrections, what to do. And so I'm going to go through probably a dozen of these. I'll try to keep them short. And we can, our time will be about uh, sufficient then. So, uh, in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 1 through 15, let's see what we have here. I don't know if we'll read the whole thing, but let's just see. 1 Corinthians 3, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. So there's, there's a, here's an issue. We've got babes here. We've got carnal uh, people. He says, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. But whereas there is among you envying and strife. Strife is this same word we just read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The word contentions. So strife divisions are yet are ye not are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while on one saith while one saith I am Paul and another I am Apollos, are ye not carnal? So Paul is just continuing what he had already done in uh, in, in the, at the beginning of this. Let's go over to First um, Corinthians five. And we'll read the first five verses. It is reported commonly, okay, you ready for this one? It's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. I mean, this is bad stuff. That one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. So he was looking for people to be concerned here. All they were concerned about was Doing something to this guy that that has uh, sinned here, and and yet he says, "Are you puffed up and have not rather mourned? You even care about this guy, or is this more about getting rid of him? That he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you? But verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have uh, for I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already." as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. Well, we're not going to read read a few more verses here and, and try to understand this. But So there was one in the group, and, uh, and there, there were problems with the fact that he had taken his father's wife. And Paul could have given instructions on what they were to do about that kind of a thing. So it's going to sound like, if you go through this whole book, that there's a lot of problems here. 
as there are. Uh, verse, oh, I didn't read verse 5. Let's see how far we take this. In verse 4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And I think this is a good little passage to consider some time with. We don't have time for it here. But here he's delivering one to Satan. And you think, well, that's the end of him. He's going to go burn in Hades. And it's not the case. He says that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You, if you, you'll notice in several places in the book of, in the letter to the Corinthians, uh, this very issue that people, there were people actually dying, getting sick and so forth, and it was a similar situation. Because of their carnality, uh, they, they had, ta- they were ones who had professed, who had, who were saved, who had uh, spiritual gifts and the whole bit, and then they they changed. They lo- they dropped all that, and Paul basically had to uh, deal with the fact that some of them were, were going to pass away because they had no value spiritually to these people at that time, and that Satan had control of that. So, uh, just one of the many problems he's going to deal with here. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter eleven, real quickly. We may not read them all. Verse beginning on verse with eighteen. Let's see what we have here. Uh, yeah, I had it. Let's read a few verses. Verse eighteen. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, and they which are approved may be manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one taketh before uh, other his own supper. So rather than get into this, there's a long issue here for dealing with. But you can see how immature these people are. And that's, I'm not here to pound the judgment and so forth on somebody, but these are the facts that Paul had to deal with. First uh, Corinthians six one, uh, rather in- interesting one. Um, dare any of you? This is First Corinthians six one. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set judge who are least esteemed in the church. So he gives some instructions here. Here's somebody suing somebody else uh, in amongst their own believers. And so Paul takes it says you need to take these things into your own hands. He gives them instructions on how to do that and how this person was to be judged. This just a lot. Long list of things that uh, are annoying, that interfere with with a lot of things. Uh, let me read on a couple more. First Corinthians. Uh, well, let's see. I'll just say this. First Corinthians eight one through eight have to do with eating food offered to idols. Uh, 
Corinthians 6.12, and something against the flesh. Uh, you'll have to look at that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7. Let's read this. So, so I think the one I was just referring to had to do with uh, immoral things. Yeah, sins against the flesh, flesh in First Corinthians six twelve. In chapter seven, this is rather interesting, and we won't dwell on it. I think we're going to end here in just a moment. Uh, oops. First Corinthians seven. Now that the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good. And by the way, uh, he got some of these questions from Chloe. And I believe that's mentioned back in the first chapter. Now concerning, so they, they actually sent Paul a list of things and how to handle it. Now concerning the things where, I, where you wrote unto me, it is good, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every man have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So, basically what he's saying here is, you are not your own. If you're female, you, you, uh, your own, your own body is, belongs to the husband and vice versa. I mean, let's be honest here, it's both ways. And so, um, here was an issue, uh, and I remember hearing a conversation once, I, won't, I, I don't remember a lot of the details, but I overheard a conversation. Do I even dare tell that one of them was concerned about her husband, and the other woman spoke up and said, he doesn't own you, you, should, you can do anything you want. And I reminded... I. I was not part of the, not even part of the picture there. And I'm reminded of this verse. This verse says, you are not your own, you belong to your husband. Very similar to what we deal with in Ephesians chapter 5. And so, this was one of the issues that Paul had to deal, deal with. Verse 5, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But, this is rather interesting, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. So the Lord allowed Paul, and I personally believe the reason is because Paul was a human being and he experienced things that human beings experience and so forth, and he gives this He's, the Lord allows him to make this commandment. I think there's a place in First Timothy that Paul says the same thing. He says, this is my, he doesn't say this is my opinion, but that's essentially that's what he's saying. So, the Lord allowed this to be put in the hands of a human being who understood uh, the things that are associated here. So, anyway, we there's more, it gets better when we get to the book of Ephesians. I believe, and see how the Lord deals with us today. Uh, so we're running out of time. There's a, how about this? First Corinthians 15:12. You think about it. Some of the the greatest writing concern resurrection is in First Corinthians 15. 
Well, what do we have in this? Do we have problems here with this group of believers? He says, verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that ye rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So there were there, there was after all of this thing, all the things that had been written by Paul and taught by them, but taught by him to, by him to them, uh, this was a major issue. Uh, to think that after all of that, you wouldn't believe what Paul has to say in, in chapter in verse uh, 15. So there were those who had who were uh, against them. Perhaps they were um, were some of those uh, who were the Sadducees. They perhaps that was that. I, I don't know. I can't really say. So anyway, that's a that's a sampling of what we're dealing with in First Corinthians. And what is ahead in the next few lessons. And this is just a preparatory tory for the fact that um, we're going to look at how what Paul had to deal with from these people. And the Lord kept him, remember, he kept him there probably almost two years in the beginning before he even wrote a single word to these people. And he had to deal with that. But he's going to write about the sufferings, the things that people suffering and he makes it clear for Christ. And in fact, let's close with this one: Second Corinthians chapter one. And this is what we're going to begin with next week: Second Corinthians chapter one. And let's just start with let's just read the first seven verses, and we'll we'll close here. Uh, <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. With all the saints which are in all Achaia, that's what Greece is today, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort that we may be able to comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. This is what I say about the English is a little bit uh, challenging here. Uh, and whether we be afflicted, uh, did I read verse 5? For the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall uh, ye be also of the consolation. Now, so in that piece we read the word consolation and comfort several times. We've mentioned this in the past. Next week we'll finally hit it. There's at least, I think, around ten times individually these words are used. At least one of them is. Let's understand what that word means and what it means to us uh, in our daily life uh, concerning afflictions. Uh, or the word tribulation is used here. Uh, and then the word sufferings is used here. So uh, I think one thing Corinthians does for us, it opens some really nice doors for us in our mind and for our life. So anyway, uh, let's stop there, have a word of prayer, and then we'll close the
the microphone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We ask your hand upon uh, us when we handle your word and how uh, th- that we accurately uh, are concerned about the things that we read and we write and we speak about. <clears throat> and we put put these things into your hands, uh, looking forward to uh, how our understanding might be changed through you. These things we thank you in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.